0: Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. Let's get into our message. And we're going to be looking at a classic text in the New Testament. And I'm excited to share this text with you because every time I go to this text, God speaks to me through it on so many Different levels. Uh, and the reason I wanted to share this text uh, for our last week in the series is because I know that as God has already started breathing life into dead situations, as He's already started reviving hope for things that you thought were lost, as He already started to raise up dead promises in your life, as that's happening, uh, the fact of the matter is there's a space between those promises that are resurrected and promises being realized. There's a space between the promise and the payoff. How many of you can relate to that? And for so many of us, our faith dies in that space in between. Our faith dies in that process. And see, it's not that we believe that God can't. It's just that we believe God when. God, when is this going to happen? Have you ever been there? Where, where, where you know that God is able, you just don't know when you're going to see it. What do you do when God doesn't show up? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And your faith dies prematurely. And to do that, I want us to look together at a passage of scripture in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And if not, we will just put the words on the screen for you. But in John chapter 11, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, it's kind of interesting the way John narrates the story. This is John's gospel. He's the writer, and he's telling us something that hasn't happened yet, but he's, he's setting it up for us. This thing he's talking about where she pours perfume on the Lord's feet, wipes with her hair, uh, that happens in the very next chapter in, in John chapter 12. But John wants us to know because he's, he's setting something up for us. He, he wants us to know that this family loved Jesus And I'm thankful for that detail because it helps me understand that even people who love God have problems. And and I mean, sometimes you need that because stuff will happen in your life where it'll make you question your relationship with God. Have you ever been there? If you haven't been there yet, you will be one day where stuff happens and you're like, God, I thought we were good. God, I I thought that you and I had this down path. I, I thought you knew I loved you. And I know you love me, and God, why is this happening in my life? I didn't expect this to happen. And apparently this is one of those situations for these sisters, but they have enough confidence in their relationship with Jesus at this point uh, because it says in verse 3, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory So that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. I want to skip ahead to verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So we got there late. They needed him to show up, and he didn't. They asked him. They invited him to come, and he didn't. They they were expecting him to show up. And when he finally does show up, their brother's already dead. I want to speak to you today about those things that die while we're waiting for God to show up. And I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, dead on arrival, dead on arrival. And hey, would you pray with me? I wanna ask for God's help, and then we'll get into his word. God, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for your truth. God, we need you in this moment. We came here because we need to hear from you. God, we came here because we know that uh, without you, uh, we, we struggle on our own, but God, you have insight into our situation. God, you have uh, wisdom for how we live, You have hope, God, that you want to give. And God, I'm asking that you'll use me today, speak through me. God, make it clear for the people here that you have a word for them. And I believe that you will, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Uh, Hey, I'm curious, how many of you like to be on hold? Anybody? I didn't think anybody was going to raise their hand for that one. Uh, If you do, this sermon is not for you. It's a different sermon that you need, but... uh, I don't like to be on hold. In fact, within the list of shared responsibilities that my wife and I have as husband and wife, the the laundry list of things that she does and I do, and we divide these things to have a healthy marriage, within this list, there is one that is absolutely my most dreaded. Somehow or other, the task has fallen to me uh, to make phone calls whenever it has to do anything with our utilities, bills, something like that, right? So, like if we're changing up our cable, changing up our, 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 our Internet or whatever, I'm the person who gets to make that phone call. And, and I don't like that phone call because if you've ever made that phone call, you know what's going to happen. You're, you're going to be on hold for a lengthy period of time. And it's not just like being on hold that's so bad. It's the way they make you feel for being on hold. It, it's like, have you ever felt any more unimportant in your life? I mean, that's the nature of being on hold. I mean, it's just this reality of, like, if you call me and, and we're on the phone, my wife calls, I'm putting you on hold because I don't value you as much as I value her. Like, that's just what, what it means. That's what makes this passage so interesting to me is that you got to understand, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are not ordinary people. I mean, these are some special people. These were good, god honoring. Christ-following people. They had such a special relationship with Jesus that whenever Jesus would pass through Bethany, the town where they lived, he would stay at their house. How many of you know, like, you gotta have a special relationship with somebody to stay at their house. Like, I love you, but I am not gonna stay at your house. You know, I'll come, I'll stay late. I'll come over for breakfast, but give me a hotel. I don't wanna see you in the morning. I don't want you seeing me in the morning. I'm just, we're not that close. But Jesus, apparently, he, He was close with these people. They were, you know, bedhead in the morning kind of close. And, gee, he shows up at their house, and it seems like, God, this is obvious. They need you to show up. They need you to work a miracle, and you don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Now, I want you to understand that the point of my sermon, I'm not talking about You know why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, I'm not gonna suggest that I've got God figured out on that one. In fact, I think a better question would be, why does anything good happen to people like us? But I do wanna look at this passage and help you understand what to do when you've needed God to show up in your life. You've needed God to show up in your family. You've needed God to show up in your business. You needed God to show up in your relationship, you've needed God to show up in your have you needed God to show up in your situation, and he doesn't, and it dies. And before I get to anything practical, uh, I wanna point out something to you that bothers me about this text. You see, like sometimes the Bible, it encourages me, so, sometimes the Bible comforts me, sometimes it challenges me, sometimes it corrects me, sometimes it confuses me, And disturbs me. And within this passage, I'm confused and I'm disturbed. Because what we see is these people who love God very much, needed God very much, and he doesn't do anything. And it's not like just they love God very much. The Bible says that Jesus loved them very much. Seems like we have all the necessary ingredients for God to heal this brother. I mean, we've got all the necessary ingredients for God to do something in this situation. I mean, this is Lazarus. This is Jesus' boy. I mean, th- this is he, th- they have a Like, I could understand if this is, you know, Judas. Yeah, like take your time, Jesus. I, you know, if it's a Pharisee, you may not rush there, but but this is Lazarus. You you, you love this guy. He loves you. I don't even I, I don't understand why why it would turn out this way. I mean, These sisters were so confident in their relationship with Jesus, they didn't even think it was necessary to mention their brother by name. Did you catch that? John tells us, but they didn't. They say, hey, hey Jesus, the one you love is sick. Like, just so close that just by saying that, he's gonna know who they're talking. I mean, that's a pretty cocky thing to say. Like, I mean, Jesus loves everybody. Of course, like, why? But apparently... It wasn't just presumptuous to say that because it says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, so so they're telling the truth. And you hear these details and it begins to build an expectation for how God's going to work in your life. And I bring that up because if you've been coming to church here for any amount of time at all, whether it's your first time or whether you've been coming for years, I hope that when you walk in here and you walk out you leave with just this realization of how much God loves you. I mean he he loves you. He's he's crazy about you. He he's thinking about ways to bless you. He he's thinking about all the things he wants to do in your life. He's dreaming up schemes to demonstrate his power in your life. He's thinking about all the the gifts and and, and all the skills and all the talents that he's given you. And and he thinks, man, none of those are by accident. There's there's a purpose and there's intentionality behind all that. God is thinking about how much he loves you. And I hope that if you've come to church here for any length of time, you know that God loves you. He's in love with you. And the fact that you're here I mean, I I guess you love God. I mean, especially the nine o'clock somebody, hello. I mean, we know like the real Christians come (laughs) to the nine o'clock. So I'm guessing you love God. I mean, you're here. No wonder we get frustrated when we ask God to show up in our life. We ask God to do something in our life and it seems like he doesn't. Because, see, that was, that was Mary and Martha's expectation. God, we're in trouble. God, we have a need. Lord, you know we love you. Lord, we know you love us. So how about you get over here, do something about our situation. I have this expectation about how this is supposed to play out. And so I think when I get to verse 6, it's going to say something like, So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he gathered his 12 disciples and set out for Bethany. And when he came to the place where Lazarus was lying, he placed his hands on him and healed him. That's how it's supposed to read, don't you think so? But that's not what it says. In fact, let me, let me show you what, what it says. Because I spent all this time making me think it's gonna play out a certain way, but verse six says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. God, I don't understand this. You spent all this time making me think you're going to work a miracle and you stay where you're at? You spent all this time, we've got all all the right stuff for for you to work a miracle here. And you remain where you're at. God, don't you even care? What's going on? So, like, I studied this. I studied a lot. I, I tried to make sure I'm not missing anything. I looked at this in like 20 different translations. Uh, I went through a bunch of different commentaries. I wanted to see, I tried to figure out, is there anything that would explain this? Because like one thing we know about Jesus is he was always in demand wherever he went. So the first thought I had is, well, maybe he was busy. You know, I mean, he, he, he was like, there was that one time he, he went to heal that synagogue leader's daughter and that woman, uh, from out of the crowd just grabbed him and she needed a miracle. And so he got sidetracked and you know, there were times where he was like walking and somebody would cry out and he was just like, okay, I'm gonna help you in this moment. So, you know, maybe like he just had so much other ministry to take care of there that he couldn't get there in time. Except, see then I remembered the Roman centurion and his daughter and Jesus was really busy and he said, hey, Jesus, I know you're busy. You know what? You don't even need to come. Just speak the word only, and that'll be good enough for me. And Jesus spoke the word, and his daughter was healed. He so like, Jesus, you didn't even need to, to go. Like, you could have just spoke the word. You could have just healed Lazarus if you wanted. Like, you didn't have to go there. So, okay, so that doesn't work. Uh, well, maybe, may, maybe the reason he, he didn't go is because there were, there were death threats on his life. Because if you read John 10, that, that's how that chapter ends. The, 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 the synagogue leaders and the Pharisees that they wanted, they were plotting to kill Jesus. And so uh, he he sets out for this place called Perea, which is by the Jordan River, and that's where he's hanging out, uh, kind of kind of removed from all the commotion. It's like, okay, I, I get it. Jesus, like death threats on your life. You've got work you gotta do. So you're probably not gonna head there. I get it except for the fact that he does head there later on. So it's not like the death threats would have subsided. Plus, he actually says, hey, I'm, it's not my time yet. No one can touch me until my time comes. We actually see that in a scripture where they wanted to throw him off a cliff, and he just walks through the crowd. So it can't be that there were death threats. I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe it's the fact, maybe it's with the word love. like Like maybe... Maybe it's like a, a different Greek word. Maybe I'm, it's translated love, but I just don't understand it correctly. So, so I, I look at the word love, but, but no, it's, it's, it's love. In fact, it says, let me read it to you. It, it says this. It says, he loved them, so he stayed there two more days. That's telling me that this was intentional. Uh, apparently, Jesus Loved them enough to be late. Now that's a crazy way to think about it. He loved you enough to be late. That that means the reason you didn't get it sooner is because he loved you so much. Now that's a tough love. That's, That's a crazy love. I don't even know if I understand. I mean, I, there, there's, there's a facet where I think, okay, maybe as a parent, I, I know there's things that I'd love for my kids to have, but they can't have them yet because it's not a, like maybe. But I don't even know if that, if that really articulates everything that this is describing. He knew you were going through trauma, but the reason he didn't come is because it was love that delayed him. Well, when he finally shows up, he says, On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So he didn't make it to the house before he died. He didn't make it to the funeral. He didn't make it to the graveside service. At this point where he shows up, he's been dead for four days. They brought all the meals in. They've wrapped the body. They've laid the body in the tomb. He's been in the tomb not one, not two, not three, four days. Like at this point, it's personal. Like, like I can't even imagine what Mary, Martha, and the rest of the people are thinking because like people get mad at me if I don't text them back in five minutes. You know, can you imagine not even showing up for the funeral? Somebody love just skipping out on it. Sorry, had a little bit more important things. It's like Jesus, he's already been dead. We've, you're, you didn't even come to comfort us. We asked you to come, you didn't come. What's worse, you wouldn't have even had to come if you would have just answered our prayer. You could have avoided this whole situation. And what happens next is Mary and Martha, they come out separately to greet Jesus. And I found it interesting because they both say the same thing. I got both the verses for you in 21 and 32. They they both say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, one of them, Martha, has her hand on her hip and her finger in his face. The other one, Mary, she's falling, sobbing at his feet. And I thought that's interesting, God. I'm glad you put that in there because when we have an expectation and it doesn't go the way we planned, it's the same feeling, but we respond differently, don't we? Some of us get angry at God. Some of us feel the pain and feel the sorrow, and some of us feel a combination of both of those. But I want to give them some credit because at least they knew who to go to. In the midst of their pain, in the midst of the worst situation in their life, they come to Jesus and say, God, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Have you ever been there? God, if you, wouldn't, if you, if you would have showed up, if you would have been here, my parents wouldn't be divorced. God, if you would have been here, I wouldn't be in this situation. God, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have lost my job. God, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have walked out on me like that. God, if you would have been here, I'd be married by now. God, if you would have been here i could have avoided this whole god if you would have been if you would have just showed up when i asked you to show up and you didn't they waited on god to show up he didn't and between the promise that they hoped for and the payoff that they wanted to see the brother died in the process the process. You know, as I was thinking about this, uh, I realized that even saying that we're waiting between the promise and the payoff, and that's the process, it gave me a different perspective on, on waiting. Because see, one thing I know about God is that with God, there's always a purpose in the process. I don't know if you've ever thought about waiting as a process. Can I just tell you that even in God, waiting isn't worthless. Now it's agonizing, but it's not aimless. When you begin to see it that way, you see, God, there, there, there might be something that you're trying to do here that, that I'm not seeing. Because, see, when God doesn't set his clock by your watch, that tells me that even though it's too late for you, it's not too late for him. And so he says something in this next verse, and I think he would say this to anybody in the room who's had something die in their life while they're waiting on God to show up. Because it's fascinating, in this text, there's two times, and I'll show them to you, there's two times where it says Jesus was deeply moved. And I was reading that, I thought, man, maybe if we want to see God move in our situation, Maybe we should pay attention to what he said. Because it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he asked this question, where have you laid him? And this is the first thing I want you to get. I don't have points for you today. Just I believe you need to write down whatever God's speaking to you. But if your faith has died in the process think God would ask you the question where's it buried where where did it die show me where you gave up show me where you stopped believing show me where you got tired because see God can't give you a miracle until you lead him to the spot where your faith gave up now understand God doesn't need you to show him because he doesn't know. He he wants you to show him because he wants you to locate that place where you gave up, where you stopped believing, where your faith died while you were waiting in the process. I want to ask you, where's that place where your faith died? Where's that place where you stopped trusting? Where's that place where you gave up that God could do it? Maybe... Maybe it's a a relationship that you let in that you had no business entering into. Maybe it's the negative conversations that you took part in that, that caused you to question and doubt God's faithfulness. Maybe it's when you stopped spending personal time with the Lord. Maybe it's when you got lazy in your church attendance. Maybe it's the place where you thought, your grace prescription had run out because you've blown it one too many times for God to ever do something good again in your life. I I don't know what that place is, but I would just ask you this morning to locate the place where your faith has died. Locate the place where you buried it because God wants to go right up to the place where you stopped believing, to the place where you got tired of waiting. Say, who, who told you? I wouldn't be here. Who told you I couldn't do something about this? Who told you it was over? Who told you to stop trusting? Because he's about to work a miracle. And in studying this text, I came across something that something else that stands between us and the resurrection that God wants to bring in our lives. Because... They take him up to the spot. They bring him to the place where he was buried. But there's something else in the way. And so, so he gives another command. He says, again, Jesus, once more deeply moved, the second time now. He came to the tomb. They brought him to the place. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. But Martha has something to say about this. She she speaks up. She says, but Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Now, there's a few things I want to point out to you about this. First of all, it's interesting to me that Jesus gave the command to take away the stone. Because, I mean, you just think about God. Like how many of you know, if God can part the Red Sea, he doesn't need people to remove the stone. In fact, later on, when Jesus uh, is raised from the grave, there's nobody there to roll away the stone for him. Like, he could roll away the stone if he wants to. But the the point is, when we want to see God resurrect something in our life, we have to remove the stone. I I wonder what's standing in the way of the resurrection that God wants to bring in your life, that thing that God wants you to remove. Now Now, the... Martha says something interesting, though. She says, Lord, I mean, we asked you to come. You didn't come. You waited till this was all over. You finally show up. Then you ask us to take you to the tomb so you can have your little moment with Lazarus. Okay, we take you to the tomb. Now you're asking us to remove the stone. Do you not get what's going on here? Like, He's been dead for four days. He stinks. It's rotten in there. I I, I don't want to do this, God. Now, one thing worth noting is that that four days is significant. One thing I learned in in my study is that uh, one of the doctrines of the Sadducees was that they believed that the spirit of a person remained near the body for three days. In other words, there were people who believed that a miracle was possible, but not at this point. I mean, at this point, all possibility of hope is gone. I mean, you, you gotta understand, like, like, Lord, there's dead, and then there's, there's dead dead. This is not a situation that is dying, this is dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead. And all dead, princess bride. All right, I'm just telling you because mostly dead is slightly alive, but this is four days dead. And see, sometimes God will wait until there's absolutely no hope, just to demonstrate His power in your life. See, sometimes I think like I think, yeah, I believe God that you could do it. I believe in miracles. I believe you could do it for for them. I've seen marriages restored but not in this situation. Not not in my marriage. Like, Like some marriages, yes, but this one is beyond all hope. This is beyond repair. This is beyond a resurrection. This is dead, dead. But it's not just the four days that's interesting. What really stood out to me is what Martha said. She said, she says, Lord, You want us to take away the stone? He stinks by now. This is rotten. I don't want to go there. See, what I realized is, Martha doesn't want to remove the stone because of how bad the situation is. And I wonder if the thing that's preventing a resurrection in our life is the fact that we don't want to revisit the pain, the hurt, the stench, the the, the past. God, the stone is there for a reason. It's buried for a reason. See, it's not just Mary, Martha, and Jesus here. There's a bunch of people around. And to remove the stone is going to expose the stench for everybody else. I don't want people to see that. I don't want to go there. Yeah, you know, my marriage may be dead, but I know it's dead for a reason. It's because I had an affair. And I'm not sure that I want to revisit that pain and I want to revisit that sin and expose it for everybody else to see. God, I know you can do a resurrection, but can we just keep the stone there? I mean, it, it stinks, it, it hurts, it, it's painful. But I want to tell you, Martha, you've, you've got bigger problems than the stench. Your, your brother's dead. And I wonder how many of us miss out on our miracle because we don't want to remove the stone and expose the stench. We don't want to roll away the stone because we don't want people to see that we don't really have it all together. See, only God can raise the dead. But you have to roll away the stone. So I want to tell you, move whatever it is that's standing between you and your resurrection. Move the doubt that it can't happen for you. Move the sense that it's been this way for far too long. Move move the the idea that you've tried this before and it didn't work. Move move the idea that that this is beyond a resurrection. It's too far gone. You gotta move it. And I want you to watch what happens after all the emotion has subsided. Jesus reminds him of something he said earlier. He, He said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I see. This is where some of you are, are, are living right now. You're trusting God, but you're waiting. Got a promise for God, but you're in the process. You're, you're, you're waiting. You God, you're hoping your marriage will get better, but you don't see it getting better. You're hoping your finances will get better, but... You don't see them getting better. You're you're praying for your child, but you don't see any change. And you're saying, God, I don't get this. God, I don't understand this. I love you. You love me. God, I I worship you. I go to church. I give. I do all these things. I serve. God, I don't get it. You're, You're not doing what I've asked you to do. You're not meeting my expectations. This situation isn't going the way I expect. But I need you to understand that if God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. (laughs) See, he said, Martha, Mary, you girls don't understand. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. See, I'm, I'm working a different deal here. I've got something else going on that you haven't realized. See, you wanted a healing. That's good. I had something better planned. You, you wanted a healing, but I wanted to give you a resurrection. See, I'm, I'm trying to illustrate for you that I am the resurrection and the life. And that if you believe in me, though you die physically, you won't die spiritually. I'm trying to make this an illustrated sermon here, Martha. I'm trying to show you that, that I have power over death. And what you had in mind was good, but what I had in store was so much better. Can I, can I just tell you the, the, the thing that you're waiting for, for God to do, and it hasn't happened yet. What if the reason it hasn't happened yet is because... What God has in store for you is so much better than what you have in mind. God didn't give them what they expected, instead, he exceeded their expectations. And you know, so maybe you're not married now, but that doesn't mean that you won't be married someday. And the person that God has for you is going to be so much better than that person that walked out of your life. You know, maybe your relationship is not getting any better right now but that doesn't mean that there won't come a day where you'll both come to the place of submission in Christ and you'll have an intimacy in your marriage like you've only dreamed of you know maybe your child is not serving God right now but that doesn't mean that there won't come a day bro he or she will be passionately serving God in whatever it is that God's called them to put their hand to. Put it this way. Maybe the scene of your greatest disappointment could become the setting for God's greatest miracle. It, it was when it didn't go the way they expected. The thing they never, ever wanted became the thing that God used to reveal his goodness and his plans for them beyond their expectations. So let's keep reading. It says, they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. In other words, this wasn't the first time he had prayed for them. Man, just take a little comfort and encouragement in that. It's not the first time that God has thought about your situation. It's not the first time he's prayed for you. He says, I think that you have heard me and I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, but if God would have done it any sooner, They would have never seen the miracle. I want to close by telling this, that God loves you enough to set you up for a miracle.